Amen. Do you want to? Do you want to read? Do you want to open up Philippians chapter two? If you don't want to, it's going to be on the screen. Just really quickly remind you, this is uh, this series we've entitled "A Beautiful Surrender." I have to say, I have to say that from last summer, I feel like. Um, where we have delved into, the parts of the scriptures that we have delved into is, has been so significant for me. And, and in many ways, we are, as we come before you every Sunday morning, we're almost, for, I think for all of us, we're just offering what, what he's doing in us. We're offering the journey that he's taken us on and just, uh, and just really going, trying to go on that journey together. And, uh, and so we did that last summer in the book of Acts believing that it would just stir us again afresh to uh, to want more of of him we picked up we picked up this uh, this the series of hardness versus fruitfulness trying to deal with those hardened areas of our lives because believing that his call over us is to be fruitful his desire for us is to be fruitful and sometimes there's a hardness there's things that there's, a, there's things that, that prevent us from walking in that level of fruitfulness. And we try, to, we try to navigate through the parable of the sower. And then I suppose over the last couple of weeks we've had, we've had guest speakers in. But I think the theme over two or three weeks has just been the idea of hunger. The idea of holiness, living hungry and living holy. And so we're stepping into beautiful surrender. And as I've been toying and praying and, and just hearing from the Lord in, in my quiet time, this again, this has been another area that I feel is just like churning up stuff in me in, in a really good way. It feels like it's really healthy. He's churning up some stuff. He's, he's revealing some stuff that needs to be surrendered, that needs to be, to be denied, that needs to be let go. And so that's what we want to do over the next seven or eight weeks. So let's read, let's read Philippians chapter 2, verse 1 to 8. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, rather value others above yourselves. Not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of the others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness. And being found in an appearance, in appearance as man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. This is for me is one of the most stunning scriptures in the Bible. And as we make our way to the cross, as we begin, to, as Easter is now on the horizon, as Easter is now in our sights, 
we think of, of Jesus, one who, li- who, who revealed on the cross complete surrender, gave himself up on the cross. And I, and I just want to I just want to suggest as we continue to go through these weeks together that 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 Jesus is our example. We want to keep making our way back to him. We want to keep fixing our eyes on him. We want him to be the one that we talk about, the one that we celebrate, the one that we acknowledge, the one that we model after. And he lived a life, it was him that lived a life of surrender. It's him that lived a life of beautiful surrender. And we are told in verse 5 of this chapter, have the same mindset take on the same attitude, be of the same attitude as Jesus who not only died a cross, a cross death, but he he lived a cross life. Not angry. Talking about the cross, this cross. He not only died a cross death, but he lived a cross life. And this is what we're after. This This is what we want to pursue together. What would it look like if for people that 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 not only would would live uh would live across death would die across death but would live across live across life Jesus became obedient to death he lived this life of voluntary submission he lived a life of voluntary submission and as he lived this he lived this cross life he he began to to change everything because there was a surrender jesus had to he had to surrender he was surrendering his own reputation he was surrendering he was surrendering the approval of the religious elite because he went and did things that that were frowned upon he went and did things that nobody else would have done he went into environments and he placed high value on children Children were completely dismissed. They were the lowest, the lowest rung of society and they were dismissed and tried to be cast to the side and Jesus was indignant at that. Jesus was indignant. He was so angry that people would do that, especially his own. He rebukes the disciples. He was indignant with them. And he says, let them come. Bring them to me. Bring them closer. And I'll place them on my knee and I'm going to bless them. I'm going to show how I value them. Nobody else ever behaved like that. Nobody else ever acted like that. Nobody else ever responded to children like that. But here Jesus comes and he places high value on children. He completely transforms the way that women were thought of. He, would have, he met with the woman at the well and it completely went against every cultural form. It went against, every, it went against everything. And his reputation was at risk in that. His standing with the religious elite was at risk with all of that. But he was laying that all aside. He was living this life of voluntary submission that he laid all of that aside so that he could show this is, I'm, 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 living, I'm living a surrender life. I'm living a cross life. And I'm, and I'm changing how people view children. I'm changing how they view women. I'm changing how they view the tax collector, the sinner, the prostitute. I'm even going to, those that, be, that will betray me, those that will deny me, I'm going to get down on my hands and knees and I'm going to wash their feet. A rabbi washing the feet of those that he is that he is master of, that he is teacher of. Completely unheard of. 
never been done before, never been seen before. And here's Jesus just living this life of absolute surrender, going against every norm, breaking every, every rule, every cultural rule, every religious rule. And that's what we want you to keep hearing as we go through this. Listen, this is the same mindset that we're to have. This is the same attitude that we're to have. That even though placing high value, even though loving someone to death, you, it might cause you to risk a reputation. It might cause you to risk a, a particular standing with a particular group of people. But Jesus is our example. He's the one that lived this life of voluntary submission and it, it began to change began to change everything you need to hear again what what Neville touched on last Sunday last Sunday morning surrender is something that we do something that we do this is I can guarantee you I can guarantee you surrendering is not something that is just going to happen living a life of submission living a life of surrender living a life of, of abandonment to the, to the person of Jesus, to the ways and the works of Jesus, it's not going to just happen. I am so sorry to tell you that. It's not going to just happen. Surrender is something that you do. Surrender is, it's an, it's an active word. It's, it's, it requires action. Let's go to, again, you don't have to go there, just one verse in Mark chapter 8. And this was, a, this is, this is incredible. Mark chapter 8 is just full of activity. Jesus has fed the, he's fed the 4,000. He's bringing some teaching in this moment to the disciples. He moves on and heals the blind man at Bethesda. We have this, this incredible moment for Peter where he confesses Jesus, you're the Christ, and he gets this commendation from Jesus. Peter, that's incredible. You didn't pick that up yourself. That's been a revelation from the Father. A few verses later, Peter, get behind me. You rebuked him strongly. All this activity, all of this going on in, in, in Mark chapter 8. And then it comes to, to verse 34 and it says, that He called the crowd to him along with his disciples. There's times where in his teaching, he's just speaking to the whole crowd. There's times where he just takes the disciples aside because he wants them to hear something. But this is everybody. This is something he needs everybody to hear. Whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves, take up their cross, and follow me. Now, this is one of, these, this is one of the verses in the Bible, and Jesus says it many times. The Gospels... If you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you'll find language like this scattered throughout the call of Jesus. And if you're honest enough, if you're willing to be honest enough, if, and if you're anything like me, I, I, as a real wrestle goes on when I read verses like this, because I, I would love, I, I love, I want to be the one that stands and preaches self-fulfillment messages. I want to be one that says, Lee, come to lead worship tonight. Just, just sing songs of self-fulfillment. That's what we want. That's, that's really, it's nicer. It's easier. It doesn't, we don't, it doesn't really jar with us when we talk about self-fulfillment. But when we talk about self-denial, 
we talk about self-denial, it's, it's, it's a different thing altogether. And so I want us to, I want us to really go after the, the, the call of Jesus in these weeks. If you want to be one that will follow the way of Jesus, if you want to be one that will, that will take on the family name, if you want to be one that will be his ambassador, his agent of reconciliation, the hope, the only vehicle of hope to a dying lost world, it's only going to be in self-denial. It's only going to be in, in taking up the cross, denying yourself and, and following Jesus to live this cross life, to live this surrendered life. And maybe we could do something incredible over these few weeks. Maybe we could actually become more comfortable talking about self-denial than talking about self-fulfillment. Because you know what the next verse says. Do you have it there, Kelly? Verse 35. It says that whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me and for the gospel will, will, will save it. This is, you want self-fulfillment. So if you want, if you really want the self-fulfillment talks, if you really want the self-fulfillment songs, well, the, if we take seriously the words of Jesus, if we take seriously the example of Jesus, then the only thing, self-denial, is the only thing that will lead to self-fulfillment. This idea of beautiful surrender, it's the only way that's going to lead to a life of fulfillment, a life of purpose, a life of meaning, the life that you were created for, the life that you were destined for. When you deny yourself, when you begin to lose, begin to lose your life in order to find it, you begin to give it away in order to, to save it. It's a complete upside-down nature of the kingdom. Jesus came and absolutely transformed every, every way of thinking, every expectation. Jesus came and transformed it. And he becomes our our one and only compelling reason. He becomes our one and only compelling reason for submission. The example of Jesus. Got, well, there's other things that we're going to talk about. But above them all, the one and only compelling reason for submission, for self-denial, for a life of surrender, is the example in the person of Jesus. We've already, we've already read in Philippians 2, have this, have this mind which is yours in Christ Jesus. Paul uses similar language in Corinthians. In 1 Corinthians 2, at the end of that chapter, he says, but you, but you have the mind of Christ. He says to, he says to, he says to in Colossians chapter 3, the start of that chapter, he says about setting your minds on the things that are above. Set your minds on the things that are above because that's where Christ is. So think like he does. Get to that place where he is and, and set your mind there. Have the mind of Christ. Have the attitude of Christ. He is our one and only compelling reason. He presents, and we, 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 we did this a, a year or two ago, the Sermon on the Mount. And I think, if, and we will go back, we will go, to, we will go to Matthew 5, 6, and 7 often throughout this series, I think. Because here's Jesus, here's Jesus laying out what, a, what a living a cross life looks like. You want to know how to treat your enemies? You want to go against the norm completely? Then I'm, I'm telling you, it's going to be in blessing them. It's going to be in loving them. 
It's going to be in praying for those that curse you. It's going to be in turning the other cheek whenever those strike you. It's going to be in blessing those that will, that will speak ill of you. And again, it's taking the example of Jesus because he didn't retaliate when the insults were hurled at him. He's shown a completely different way. And the Sermon on the Mount is the most wonderful example of what it looks like to follow the example of Jesus, to follow the life of Jesus. And it's a life that you can only live. It's a life that is only possible when you have denied self. The Sermon on the Mount, the politics of Jesus, the the call of Jesus, the most incredible sermon I think that we've ever seen or ever come across is actually only possible when you live a life of surrender. When you live a life of denying of self. We become ones that will completely dismiss reliance on self. David started our time off this morning not by might, not by power, but by your spirit, says the Lord. And we need to hear that. We need to hear that because, because coming before in, in humility, this idea of humility that we, that we read about in, in, in the scriptures, when we read it with Jesus saying, whoever wants to be exalted, whoever wants, to, whoever wants self-fulfillment, you're going to have to go lower. You want to go higher, you're going to have to go low. You want to be exalted, you're going to have to humble yourself. Peter picks it up, First Peter picks it up, First uh, Peter 5, verse 5 and 6, uh, says again about this idea of humbling yourself. And it's a complete dismissing of any type of reliance on self. It's a complete emptying of carnal ego. And Peter says, in the same way, you who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you, all of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up. There's times that we read in the Old Testament of where God had to humble his people. And I just, don't, I, just, I just truly believe God doesn't want to do that. We don't want him to do that. And so his offer to us is humble yourselves. Humble yourselves. James picks up the exact same, the exact same language in James chapter 4. Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves before me. Submit to him. Live this life of surrender. Deny yourself. Jesus, as I've said, uses this throughout the Gospels. It's those who will humble themselves that will be exalted. It's those that will deny themselves, that will deny their own rights, that will deny their own reputation. It's them that will be exalted. It's them that will have this kingdom promotion. It's the only way that you're going to find fulfillment. The only way that you're going to find success is through self-denial. The only way you're going to find it is by, by living a life marked, a life marked by humility. You know that I'm really fond of recommending books. Uh, I think Puma has this one, The Imitation of Christ, Thomas, Thomas A. Kempis. I, I, I love it. It's, it's, uh, it's not very big, but it's, it's, it's chapters. Most of his chapters are about half a page long. So if you want to tell somebody you read a chapter of a book today, get Thomas A. Kempis's Imitation of Christ. Read half a page and you can tell. I read a chapter of a, of a 14th century monk today. It was incredible. 
If all that stuff doesn't impress you, don't worry about that. I'm a bit of a nerd that way. Um, in the early 1400s, Thomas A. Kempis was born in 1380-something. Lived in the early 1400s. Was this priest or monk? I'm not sure exactly what his title was. But this, this book, The Imitation of Christ, I'll encourage you to get it. Again, I got it for a penny. £2.80 shipping. But this is what Thomas A. Kempis uh, this is what he said self denial is the foundation it's the foundation for submission it saves us from self indulgence self denial is foundation for submission it saves us from self indulgence and so suppose as we as we as we hope it feels like we've stepped a wee bit further maybe sort of feels still quite introductory when we talk about when we're talking about surrender, we can't ignore this idea of self-denial, of denying yourself. Self-denial, it's foundation for living this life of humility, living this life of valuing others more significantly than yourselves, submitting yourselves to one another, all things that we are encouraged to do, all part of the life that we are called as his disciples to live. And I think for me, as, a, as I've been thinking about this over the last number of weeks, I think some of the things that I'd love us to talk about that are along the lines of surrendering of our rights, surrendering of our reputation, surrendering of our retaliation, and sh- surrendering of our rationale or our reason. Neville, talk, Neville was, I was listening to Neville during the week and he was firing out peas all over the place. And so I thought, right, I'm going to come back to Adam with his... I see your peas and I raise you f- four hours. Um, and so there's things that we want to talk about. For me, they've become really important for me. A surrendering of retaliation. I can't even place one higher than the other because there's been times over the last couple of years where, where a surrendering of reputation, a surrendering of rights, and a, a surrendering of rationale and don't hear me saying that we're going to come at this and say, forget all, like, don't come here with your brains engaged at all. But sometimes there's things that you'll just never understand. And you need to be willing to, to surrender that. You need to be willing to, to, to lay some of that down. Submit yourselves to mystery. And there's three or four things that we, that we, want, to, that we want to take on together. How long have I been talking for? I feel like there's like there's just scribble loads of notes down this week. You're just like what time is it on there, Kelly? Twenty-three. And uh, for those that got excited there when they're hearing me wrapping up, I will still wrap up, I promise. <laughs> but I just want because I came across this in my reading uh, this week, and as I said at the start, just around that whatever form of worship takes to to cause your spirit to to enlight, whatever it is that causes your heart to burn within you. For some of you, it's maybe been a walk in, the, in creation. For some, it's maybe been sticking on your favorite worship album. For me, I think the most the time where my I came alive more than anything was reading John chapter six. Something just burned within me when I read John chapter six. 
It was, really, it was a really, it, it, it felt really simple, but it was one of those places. I'm sure many of you have had this experience where you just can't help but keep going back. Something grabbed your attention. You're not sure why, and you just keep going after it, keep going back. And that's been one of these verses, uh, John chapter six, verse fifteen. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force, withdrew again to a mountain by himself. Jesus, knowing that they intended to come and make him king by force. And I just, for me, I, I, I wasn't going to go down this line. It's something that we probably will pick up again. But just as, as, as Lee led us and freedom reigns in this place, just felt the Lord just stirring my heart in that moment that the freedom we sometimes thought is freedom of being, doing whatever you want. Like a license just to do whatever you want. He set us free now going free to do whatever you want, say whatever you want, whatever. But I, I think it's I think in the kingdom, in the kingdom economy it's 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 completely different. I think you're only gonna find freedom as you surrender. You're only gonna find freedom as you give yourself away. Life will only be found as you lose it. You'll only have life as you give it away. And so our understanding of freedom, I think maybe before Jesus came, would have been freedom. Yes, now we can do what we want. We're set free. But actually Jesus reveals a completely different understanding. Jesus has turned everything upside down. And it's now not you do what you want, but you, you only have a freedom as you surrender. You only have freedom as you live this life of self-denial. And I reminded myself of John 6 verse 15 because here we have a completely different king. Every, everybody would have had the expectation that whenever Messiah came, he was going to come in force. He was going to come and rid everyone with, with such an expression of power, destroying them all. But he comes completely different and loves his enemies. He gives his life for his enemies. He serves his enemies. It's a king that no one ever expected. It's a king that was different from any other king and he was ruling a kingdom like no other king. The most incredible, most incredible. so good and he won't allow anyone else to make him king in any other way but by denying himself by living a surrendered life and dying a surrendered death he'll not let them take him and place him by force because it's completely different it's a completely different king and it's a completely different kingdom. And he would call us to live he's calling us to live the same way. That we don't that we don't we don't win people by our protests, we don't win people by our demonstrations. We win them by loving them. We win them by serving them. He threw, he turned it all upside down. As I was worshipping just in the kitchen this morning.
I just was so grateful for those verses in, in, uh, in Corinthians where, where Jesus says, he's going, he's, Paul reminds the church that he's going to take the foolish things of this world to demonstrate his wisdom, and, and I've, I'm glad that he reminded me of that. In this moment of struggling to hold it together, feeling quite foolish, I'm grateful for this verse. It reminds me that it's the foolishness of that demonstrates his wisdom. It's it's completely opposite. It's Second Corinthians twelve says it's his power that's made perfect in weakness. Everything's different. He's turned everything on its head. There's examples that I that I want to give, and I can't not give the example of St. Patrick, a man who lived a life of complete surrender, a man who was taken captive by the barbarians in this land, and eventually escaped, and he made his way home. And in a dream one night, he had a dream of his captors, those that had captured him, giving him a letter and saying, Oh, holy servant boy, come back to this land. Oh, holy servant boy, come back to this land. You imagine what, you imagine the feelings as Patrick stepped back onto a land with people who had treated him so badly treated him so poorly but he denied himself he decided he was going to live a a surrendered life and he made his way in response of what he felt like Jesus was calling to we appeal to you holy servant boy to come and walk among us and there's so many quotes that we could quote from St. Patrick but let me just read this one I must take this decision disregarding risks involved and make known the gifts of God and his everlasting consolation. Neither must we fear any such risk in faithfully preaching God's name boldly in every place so that even after my death a spiritual legacy may be left for my brethren and my children. I just feel like it's even even the longing for his legacy for his brothers and his children he decided he was going to come and, and risk it all He'd come and risk it all so that barbarians enemies those that treated him so wrongly would have an opportunity to know Jesus would have an opportunity to experience such love such kindness such mercy such generosity it's a completely different way of living it's a completely different way of understanding how to find life it's a completely different way of understanding how we find our purpose and our calling and our destiny it's only going to be as we deny ourselves as we submit ourselves as we clothe ourselves with humility and so as we as we continue on in the series, continuing to make our way to the cross. So I want to also, there's some stuff, probably a lot of stuff I've said that I want you to have in your mind as we go through this. But First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, Paul says that I didn't want to know nothing. I desired to know nothing among you except Jesus and him crucified. 
Except Jesus and his surrendered life. Except Jesus and one who, who voluntarily submitted it all. One who denied himself. I don't want to know. I'm not going to. I don't want to preach anything as long as I'm preaching Jesus and Him crucified. And so we go through this series, and even as we go through our weeks, that with that verse in mind, that we begin that we would begin to ask ourselves, it would be become it would come so much to the forefront of our minds that we would start asking as we as we consider what we do, as we consider our actions, as we consider our thoughts, as we consider our attitudes we would begin to ask, does that look like Jesus on a cross? Does, that, does this thought look like the self-denial, denied attitude of Jesus? Does this attitude reflect the Savior who hung and gave himself on a cross? Does this action reveal Jesus and him crucified? So, Father, I, I, I love you. I long, to, I long that we would be worshippers. Father, we, we remind ourselves that you're actively, even now as we finish off our time together, you're actively seeking worshippers. Seeking those who will worship you in spirit and in truth. Those that will... That will that will live this life of submission, that will come before you with a posture of humility. Father, I pray that as we, go, as we just try to navigate through some of this stuff as best as we can, God, we know what it is to think of ourselves less you know what it is to deny ourselves take up our cross and follow the way and the example of Jesus and incredibly it's in that that we'll find life it's in that that we'll experience you in a way that we've never experienced you before And so, Holy Spirit, in a way that only you can, we just begin to just write this on our hearts. We just begin to apply this to our lives. You begin to just shape and fashion us in your likeness for your name's sake, for the sake of your kingdom that is like no other kingdom, for the lifting up of King Jesus who is like no other king. We love you. Amen.